Everything that ever was, everything that ever will be, and everything that ever is, all began 13.7 billion years ago. Everything you know, everything you love, everything that you ever will know, or ever could know, all began that time ago. And 99% of everything that has ever existed here on this little marble we call home is extinct. Like I had said in a previous episode, everything. And there's an issue and there's a discussion that comes about that states that maybe sometime in this great cycle that we live in, maybe sometime we might be too, but we don't know. Our universe was born about 13.7 billion years ago in a massive explosion that blew space up like a giant balloon. That, in a nutshell, is the Big Bang Theory. No, not Sheldon and Leonard and Raj and Howard and Bernadette and Penny. (laughs) A different kind of Big Bang Theory. Although, thank you guys for one of the funniest sitcoms I've ever seen. Personal opinion there. If virtually all cosmetologists and theoretical physicists endorse the Big Bang Theory, the evidence supporting the idea is, is, is extensive and convincing. We know, for example, that the universe is still expanding, even now at an ever-accelerating rate. And you can look back through time. You can actually, in, in high-powered telescopes or telescopes that exist to this day, we have the technology that exists to this day that we can look back and we can look through time, the fourth dimension. We can look back through time and we can see how things looked like around the time of the Big Bang. Or we can see how things looked shortly thereafter. The closest galaxy to us, Andromeda, is 2.5 million light years away. I want to say that's it. So the light that's receiving our eyes now, or that's getting to our eyes now, is 2.5 million years old. Was was emitted or transmitted or sent out from Andromeda 2.5 million years ago. So we can look at the light that's reaching our eyes here on Earth from distant galaxies and distant stars and distant pulsars and everything. We can, we can look back at that and see, and see time, look back through time to see that, to see the way those stars and those galaxies and those pulsars looked that t- so near the Big Bang, around the time of the Big Bang. We can see how it looked. That is beyond incredible. That is beyond impressive. We can look through time, look back through time and see how things looked at the dawn of our universe. We can see how things looked back before we, see how how things looked back before we as a species, before species before us, the dinosaurs, before plants and animals, microbial life. We can see what the universe looked like or what those planets in that era, we can see what they looked like around that time. It's just incredible. 
Scientists have also discovered a, a predicted thermal imprint of the Big Bang, the universe pervading cosmic microwave background radiation. And we don't see any objects obviously older than 13.7 billion years, suggesting that our universe came into being around that time. So we can't generally see anything older than that. So we assume around 13.7 billion years, we can only see that far back. And since we can't see the end of the universe and we can't see beyond that, we don't know we don't know what's out there. And to assume to assume something that we don't understand is kind of weird. To assume like the universe is flat. To assume that that is just extremely just wrong and and bizarre. Because we, we have no evidence of it. We can't see that. So that's just bizarre and just 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 weird all of these things put the big bang on an extremely solid foundation said an astrophysicist alex filipenko of the university of california berkeley the big bang is an enormously successful theory and a great show sorry so what does the theory teach us what really happened at the birth of our universe Traditional Big Bang, Big Bang theory posits that our universe began with a singularity, a point of infinite density and temperature whose nature is so difficult for our minds to grasp, we can't get a hold on it. However, this may not accurately reflect reality, researchers say, because the singularity idea is based on Einstein's theory of general relativity. The problem is, there's no reason whatsoever to believe that general relativity to believe general relativity in that regimen. It's going to be wrong because it doesn't take into account quantum mechanics. And quantum mechanics is certainly going to be important once you get to that place in the history of the universe. So the very beginning of the universe remains pretty mercury. Mer remains pretty mercury. Name drop of a planet there. Remains pretty mercury. Mer again. I, I did it again. Re remains. And you can probably all guess which word I'm trying to say, but my mouth won't form. Remains pretty murky. There's no word I was going for. Scientists think they can pick up, a, pick the story up at about 10, about 10 to the minus 36 seconds. One trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second after the Big Bang. At that point, they believe, the universe underwent an extremely brief and dramatic period of inflation, expanding faster than the speed of light. It doubled in size perhaps a hundred times or more, all within the span of a few tiny fractions of a second. Inflation was the bang of the Big Bang. Before inflation, there was just a little bit of stuff, quite possibly expanding just a little bit. We needed something like inflation to make the universe big. All this according to... Uh, I just read his name and now I can't find it. I think it's Alex Filipenko. All that according to him. The rapidly, This rapidly expanding universe was pretty much empty of matter. But it harbored huge amounts of dark energy, the theory goes. Dark energy is a mysterious force that scientists think is driving 
The universe currently accelerating. The universe is currently accelerating expansion. During inflation, dark energy made the universe smooth out and accelerate, but it didn't stick around for long. Dark energy. Oops. Dark energy. New measurements of the expansion rate of the universe lend new support for the theory of dark energy. That suggests a mysterious force is pulling apart the cosmos at ever-increasing speeds. Scientists have, have few ideas why such force would exist, but the evidence for dark energy, which like, which like dark matter has remained elusive to detection attempts, is growing. A competing hypothesis can apparently be ruled out. In a new study, a team of researchers led by Adam Reese of Space Technology of the Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore report that they've calculated how fast the universe is expand, expanding to, greater, to a greater degree of accuracy than ever before, shrinking the error bars on their measurements by almost 30%. The Hubble Space Telescope measures the universe. The improved accuracy come, comes thanks to the Wide Field Camera, Wide Field Camera 3 on the Hubble Space Telescope. It's a new instrument that was only installed on the orbiting observatory in 2009 during NASA's last space shuttle mission to upgrade the space telescope. Without the improvement in capability from the new camera, it just wouldn't have been feasible, Reese told Space.com on March 14th. It's, it's just a different generation of technology than the previous camera. There is a lot of things out in the world, out in the universe that we don't know, that we can't see. And there are there's just an amazing, and I'll touch in a minute on different things like pulsars and quasars and black holes and stuff like that. In this episode and future episodes, I'll touch on several stuff like that as well. It was just temporary dark energy. It converted into ordinary matter and radiant radiation through a process called reheating. The universe went from being cold during inflation to being hot again, and when all the dark energy went away. That's, cor uh, that's according to a guy whose first name I don't see in my research here, because when I was doing the research, it didn't give me a first name, so I'm just going to say Carol. C-A-R-R-O-L-L. -L. And I apologize for not mentioning your first name there. But it just listed me the last name and all the research I did, so I apologize. Scientists don't know what may have spurred inflation. That remains one of the biggest questions of the Big Bang Theory, Filipenko said. Most cosmologists regard inflation as the leading theory for explaining the universe's characteristics. Specifically, why it's relatively flat and homogeneous, with roughly the same amount of stuff spread out equally in all directions. Various lines of evidence point towards inflation being a reality, said theoreti theoretical physicist Andy Albrecht of the University of California, Davis, UC Davis. They all hang together pretty much nicely with, in with the inflation picture. Inflation has done incredibly well. There is a lot of things that have that have occurred in the Big Bang Theory. Why the 
universe behaved the way it did and why the universe acted the way it did and what black matter is and black energy is and as you've seen so far it's kind of it's, it's just very 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 interesting very very intriguing to find out all this stuff a pulsar like I mentioned earlier a pulsar is a neutron star that emits beams of radiation that sweep through Earth's line of sight. Like a black hole, it is, it is, an, it is, it is an endpoint to a stellar evolution. The pulses of high-energy radiation we see from a pulsar are due to the misalignment of the neutron star's rotation axis and its magnetic axis. Pulsars seem to pulse from our perspective because of the rotation of the new because of the rotation of the neutron star causes the beam of radiation generated within the magnetic field to sweep in and out of our line of sight with a regular period somewhat like the beam of light from a lighthouse. The stream of light is, in reality, continuous, but to a distant observer it seems to wink on and off at regular intervals. Neutron stars have a very intense magnetic field about a trillion times stronger than the Earth's own field. However, the axis of the magnetic field is not aligned with the neutron star's rotation axis. The combination of this strong magnetic field and the rapid rotation of the neutron star produces extremely powerful electric fields with electric potential in excess of one trillion volts. To put this power into perspective, a single cubic meter of the magnetic field in the crab pulsar contains more energy than humans have been able to generate to date. Electrons are accelerated to high velocities by these strong electric fields. These high energy, these high energy electrons produce radiation, light, in two ways. In the first, they act as a hook, as they act as a coherent plasma and the electrons work together to produce radio emissions by a process whose details are still being researched and secondly the electrons interact individually with photons or the magnetic field to produce high energy emissions in optical x-ray and gamma ray wavelengths the exact locations where the radiation is produced are uncertain and they may be difficult for different types of radiation, but they must occur somewhere above magnetic above the magnetic poles. External viewers see pulses of radiation whenever this region above the magnetic pole is visible. Because of the rotation of the pulsar, the pulses thus appear as much appear much as distant much as the distant observer sees the light from a lighthouse which seems to blink as its beam rotates. The pulses come at the same rate as the rotation of the neutron star, and thus appear periodic. There's also gamma ray pulsars. Pulsars are the original gamma ray astronomy point sources. A few years after the discovery of pulsars by radio astronomers, the Crab and Vela pulsars were detected at gamma ray energies. Pulsars accelerate particles to tremendous energies in their magnetospheres. These particles are ultimately responsible, responsible for the gamma ray emissions seen from pulsars. 
By the end of 2010, there were about 1,800 pulsars known through radio detections, but only 70 had been detected in the gamma rays. Gamma ray telescopes potentially detect young, nearby pulsars. These pulsars tend to have large magnetic fields and to be spinning rapidly. It is the loss of the pulsar spin energy which, ev which eventually appears as radiation across the, the electromagnetic spectrum, including gamma rays. Both observations and models indicate that pulsars eventually lose the ability to emit gamma rays as a pulsar slowly takes longer and longer to rotate. Well, that's a little bit on a little bit on pulsars and a little bit on the knowledge gathered from a pulsar. There's there's um, a binary there's a binary I don't know if it's quite I think it's a pulsar binary pulsar system that Alpha Centauri that that is by that is a binary pulsar system where it looks like the two it looks like the two stars are rotating around each other, are spinning and rotating around each other. And it's kind of it, it looks it looks very, very interesting because it kind of looks like a dance that the two stars are doing around each other. It's very like I don't know if you can see it or it's very easy to see. Very easy to see with a normal telescope from here from Earth. You probably have to have a highly advanced telescope or maybe the Hubble to see it directly from to see it directly from from Earth. But it's 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 incredible. It's just awesome. It looks like the two it looks like the two stars stars are spinning around each other or dancing, dancing and turning around each other. It's pretty it's pretty cool and pretty impressive. It is the closest star system and closest planetary system to the Earth's solar system at 4.7 light years. 4.37 light years. Or 1.34 parsecs from the sun. So 4.37 light years. So the light that's reaching our eyes here on Earth that was emitted from Alpha Centauri, the light that's reaching our eyes here on Earth is 4.37 light years Earth. 4.37 light years Earth. 4.37 light years old. So it, it's it's four years old. And it's it's old. I mean, it's not as old as say, like I just said, um, Andromeda or other distant galaxies. But it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty dang cool. It is a triple star system consisting of three stars: Alpha Centauri A, officially Rigel Rigel Cantaris. Alpha Centauri B, officially Ptolemon, T-O-L-I-M-A-N, Ptolemon, and Alpha Centauri C, officially Proxima Centauri. Alpha Centauri A, Alpha Centauri B, and Alpha Centauri C. There's a lot here on... Alpha Centauri A and B are sun-like stars. And together, they form the binary star Alpha Centauri AB. To the naked eye, the two main concepts, the two main components, appear to be a single star with an apparent magnitude of negative 0.27, negative 27, negative 0.27. The brightest star in the southern constellation of Centaurus, named for the stars Alpha Centauri, duh, and the third brightest in the night sky, outshone by, by Cirrus and Canopus. Alpha Centauri A has 1.1 times the mass 
at 1.519 times the luminosity of the sun, while Alpha Centauri B is smaller and cooler at 0.907 times the sun's mass and 0.445 times its luminosity. The pair orbit around the common center with, the, with an orbital period of 71.91 years. 79.91 years. So they, or, they orbit around Alpha Centauri A and B orbit around a common center. There's a central gravitational middle in between the two and both A and B orbit around it giving the appearance to those who can see it from Earth through a telescope with, a na- from the, with, a na- with the naked eye and a telescope, which I know isn't really the naked eye, but <laughs> those who can see it, though, it, it looks like the stars seem to dance. It's, it's incredible. It's just really, really beautiful and really pretty. Their elliptical orbit is eccentric, so the distance between A and B varies from 35.6 AU, AU is an astronomical unit, or about the distance about the distance between Pluto and the Sun, to 11.2 AU, or about the distance between the Saturn and the Sun. Saturn and the Sun. Side note here, and I'll maybe fill you. I maybe fill you in at the end. See if anyone can answer this, answer this trivia question. It's kind of a trick question, so I apologize. But what is the closest star? To the planet Pluto. So I'll let you think about that one. Alpha Centauri C, or Proxima Centauri, is a small and faint red dwarf, a class M red dwarf. Though not visible to the naked eye, Proxima Centauri is the closest star to the Sun at a distance of 4.24 light years, slightly closer than Alpha Centauri A or B. Currently, the distance between Proxima Centauri and Alpha Centauri a and B is about 13,000 astronomical units, equivalent to about 430 times the radius of Neptune's orbit. Proxima Centauri has two planets, Proxima B, an Earth-sized exoplanet, and the in the habitable zone discovered in 2016, and Proxima C, a ringed super-Earth. Wow, I didn't know about that. Well, I knew, I knew about Proxima... I knew about Proxima C, I just didn't know it was ringed. Hmm. In Proxima C, a ringed super-Earth, 1.5 AU away. Discovered in 20... Uh, discovered last year. Discovered in 2019. Alpha Centauri B has one retracted planet, Alpha Centauri B, lowercase b, and one potential candidate. Alpha Centauri is a, strip, is a triple star system with two main stars... Alpha Centauri A and B being in binary, being a binary component. The AB designation in older AB denotes the mass center of a main binary system relative to the companion stars in a multiple star system. What binary? What binary means a binary star system? Sorry about that. Ow, my elbow just popped when I flexed it. <laughs> kind of things happen when you record live any random thing which is what you've heard in the background the yelling and the crashing of people changing the trash and stuff like that a binary star is a star system consisting of two stars orbiting around their common berry center the common berry center the common berry center, the common a common gravitational middle systems of two or more stars called multiple are called a multiple star system 
These systems, especially when more distant, often appear to the unaided eye as a single point of light, and then re- and they are then revealed as a mul- as multiple by other means. The term double star is often used synonymously with binary star. However, double star can also mean elliptical double star, op- optical elliptical, optical double star. Optical doubles are all are so-called because the two stars seem to be close together in the sky as seen from Earth. Maybe that's perhaps what I should have been saying. Instead of saying, instead of saying seen with the naked eye or with the naked eye in a telescope, as seen, I should have said as seen from Earth. So as seen from Earth. Nevertheless, the doubleness depends on only this optical effect. The stars themselves are distant from one another and share no and share no physical connection. The double star can be revealed as optical by means of differences in their parallax measures, proper motions, and radial velocities. Most known double stars have not been studied adequately to determine whether they are, they are optical doubles or doubles physically bound through gravitation into a multiple star system. A parallax is is a displacement difference in the apparent position of an object viewed along two different lines of sight and is measured by the single or by the single by and is measured by the angle or semi-angle of inclination between these two lines due to foreshortening nearby objects show a larger parallax than farther objects when observed from a different position so that parallax can determine distances yeah, there was an audit. I mean, I'll, I'll probably post it either in the show notes or in the podcast, the podcast Discord. This main diagram difference between what a parallax is, but to to measure long distances such as the distance of a planet or star from the Earth, astronomers use the principle of parallax. Here, the term parallax is a semi-angle of the semi-angle of inclination between two between two sight lines to the star as observed when Earth is on opposite sides of the sun in its orbit. Yeah, that didn't... Looking for a definition here, and I apologize, that didn't clear anything up. Didn't clear anything at all. Yeah, so... so Alpha Centauri is a binary star system with with two stars that circle around each other and that orbit around each other. And it looks like it looks like they're dancing. It looks like they're dancing in the sky. It looks like they are. It, look, it looks like they're just spinning around that central focus, that central gravitation, gravity. They're sp- they're turning around and spinning around, and it looks incredible to an eye when viewed through a telescope from Earth. It it just it looks like a dance. It looks like a cosmic dance, and it's really really cool. It's really, really awesome. And this is a little bit... And there's another another relation to, to a pulsar is a quasar. A quasar is an extremely luminous, active galactic nucleus in which a supermassive black hole with massive ranging from millions to billions of times the mass of a sun is surrounded by a gaseous ex- accretion disk, A-C-C-R-E-T-O-N. As gas in the disk falls towards the black hole, 
energy is released in the form of electromagnetic radiation, which can be observed across the electromagnetic spectrum. The power radiated by quasars is enormous. The most powerful quasars have luminosities a thousand times greater than a galaxy such as the Milky Way, our own home galaxy. Usually quasars are categorized as a subclass of the more general category AGN. There's no definition of what AGN is. I'll try to see if I can get that for you. A red shifts, the red shifts of quasars are known as cosmological origin. The term quasars originated as a contraction of quasi and stellar, of quasi and stellar radio source. And the, like, like the article said, that quasars are what form, what form a black hole, or what, uh, what, what creates black holes. There are several things that there's, there's a lot of legends and a lot of histories and a lot of stories about about black holes, about what can happen if you like the edge of a black hole, right on the edge of the hole itself is called the event horizon. And if you approach the event horizon, you can, the, th the thought is that you can get sucked in and no one knows what happened to the black hole. If anything, were all matter that's able to cross the event horizon or get near the event horizon of a black hole, no one knows what happens to the matter because it goes into the black hole and dissipates and disappears and no one knows what happens to it or where it goes. It's, it's mesmerizing. It's, it's bizarre because no one can understand or comprehend it. A black hole is a region of space-time where gravity is so strong that nothing, no particles or even electromagnetic radiation, such as light, can escape from it. The theory of general relativity predicts that's, that a sufficiently compact mass can deform space predicts that a sufficiently compact mass can deform space-time to form a black hole. The boundary of the region from which no escape is possible is called the event horizon. The, the region of space, the region of time around a black hole from which no escape is possible is the event horizon. Although the event horizon has an enormous effect on the fate and circumstances of an object crossing it, According to the general relativity, it has no locally detectable, detectable features. In many ways, a black hole acts like an ideal black body, as it reflects no light. Moreover, quantum field theory in curved spacetime predicts that her event horizons emit Hawking radiation, with the same spectrum as a black body of a temperature inversely proportional to its mass. The temperature is on the order of a billionth of a Kelvin for black holes of stellar mass, making it essential, essentially impossible to observe. Now, a lot of people who have stuck with me were all this sci-fi, sci-fi babble, and a lot of big words is kind of. I read the I just read the term Hawking radiation, and it's kind of kind of interesting to figure out. It's Hawking radiation. It sounds like Stephen Hawking. In embedding, if anything, that's what it's named for. Hawking radiation is a black is black body is black body radiation that is predicted to be released by black holes due to quantum effects near the black hole event horizon. It is named for physicist Stephen Hawking, 
who provided a theoretical argument for its existence in 1974. The requirement that black holes lose energy the requirement that black holes lose energy into the wider universe and therefore can evaporate and the radiated spectrum are both a result of analyzing black hole thermal equilibrium combined with extreme redshifting effects very close to the event horizon. It's all this, and I'll get more into it in a bit, all of this is just extremely interesting and extremely wonderful and amazing to figure out. If you could, if, if you could go back in time and see, and you can, we can witness this here on Earth with a telescope. We can look back through the ages. We can look back through time and see what the area of the space that we're looking at. We can see what space looked like at the time of the Big Bang, around the time of the Big Bang. Since, like I said earlier in this episode. It takes light so long for the light from the source to reach our eyes here on Earth. We can see what the light that we're seeing was emitted by that source that many years ago. It's just incredible. Like, like I said, Andromeda, 2.5 million light years away. The light and things that we are seeing from Andromeda right now was emitted 2.5 million years ago. It was... It was it just beyond incredible. We can look back we can look back through time. We can look back through time into distant space and see things that were that were emitted from that star, from that system, from wherever the light the source is coming from, at the time of the dinosaurs. At the time that T Rexes and Velociraptors and Deinonychus and Gallimimus and Archaeopteryx and all those things at the time that they roamed this earth we can see what a distant planet looked like at that time it's just beyond just to, to even fathom that is beyond awesome is way beyond incredible another thing that's way beyond incredible just is there's, there's a picture online, if you search for it, called the pale blue dot. And it's just incredible. It's what, what the Earth looks like taken from, taken from a distance. of As a probe looked back on Earth, looked back towards its home, looked back towards Earth, and took a picture and sent that picture back to Earth. We get to see what Earth looks like from a distance. It's just a pale blue pixel, a pale blue speck in the distance. And that's just beyond awesome, way beyond incredible. Let's just look up these pictures online if you get a chance, when you get a chance. Look them up and find out what these pictures look like and what we're getting from and the light that we are seeing from these distant galaxies and distant stars that left that star billions and billions and millions of years ago and we're seeing time we're seeing back to the birth of our cosmos and back to the birth of our universe it's just beyond awesome and beyond incredible and the series uh the series cosmos carl sagan's cosmos and then the new series cosmos with neil degrasse tyson 
and Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson that was recently redone. And there's a new series on top of that called Cosmos Possible Worlds. That's those series are just incredible. I would highly recommend looking into them. Just incredible. So, yeah, thank you, thank you all so much for watching. Thank you all so much for listening. I almost said watching. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, thank you so much. Keep listening. Keep listening to future episodes. Thank you all so much. Hey guys, check out the best cruising podcast and YouTube channel for everything cruising needed, everything cruise, cruising enjoyed, everything you love about cruising. They're experts, they know their stuff, and they're beyond awesome. You'll love the podcast, you'll love their YouTube channel, they're the best cruising podcast out there. Check out Fantastic Cruising on the podcast, on your favorite podcast devices, and favorite podcast programs. And also check out Fantastic Studios on YouTube. They are beyond great. Give and Matt and Kimbra a follow. Give them a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and every other podcast you choose. They are beyond awesome, and you won't be disappointed. You won't be upset in any way, shape, or form. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.